Chapter Seventeen of Kilgloom Park by Neil Boyton, S.J. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Chapter Seventeen, Mardi Gras. Surf Avenue, even for Surf Avenue, was jammed with pleasure seekers. Milling humanity packed either side the wide thoroughfare that is Conley Island's main artery. Miles of streamers curved through the air over the heads of the hundreds of thousands, and snowstorms of colored confetti fell continuously. For it was the last night of Mardi Gras week, the riotous close of the season. Now the center of the avenue was cleared of all traffic, and the maze of red and yellow bulbs overhead cast a soft illumination over the line of march of the Mardi Gras parade. Soon the blare of the massed Kilgloom Park bands, playing the latest march, was audible and the public pressed closer to the police lines to view this parade of the Mardi Gras floats. The Kilgoon Park float, really a broad platform erected on the largest park truck, had the place of honor. It represented Puss in Boots, a gigantic, cool, black, papier-mâché puss, whose pointed furry ears were fifteen feet from the pavement. Its electric light eyes winked ruggishly, and its long black tail waved solemnly when there was not a waggish flip to it. Before Puss in Boots, three mice sat up and vagged, whenever the great cat's head would twist and look directly at them. The mice, on closer inspection, turned out to be the Lee triplets, dressed in identical Mickey Mouse costumes. An even closer inspection would reveal that there was a man inside the papier-mâché puss. Park carpenters had made the room inside the puss, from which were worked the head, eyes, and tail, too small for an adult employee. This difficulty was discovered a few hours before the first night's parade. In this crisis, Angelo Daly, as being the smallest park employee, had bagged and perforce received permission to work the figure. Thus, hidden from public view, he was in his element as a showman. Now, in a hoarse whisper that carried to the ears of the three mice, he directed, Say, you young rats, act up, do you hear? Captain will be watching as we pass the main entrance to Kilgloom. Act up! "'What more do you want us to do? Eat cheese out of your paws?' growled Lincoln Lee. Angela, with eye glued to the people from Puss's stomach, heard the comment and threatened, "'I have my bean-shooter here, and you'll know it if you talk back to me.' This threat was effective, as the mice impersonators knew they were helpless to retaliate in the middle of the parade. The flit was now approaching the blaze of lights that indicated the main entrance to Kilgloom Park. Feverish activity began on the part of the puss and the three mice. Just as the float was passing the entrance, Puss turned his head towards Captain Daly and a party of friends, who stood at the curb and deliberately bowed three times. Then a long wink from one eye, and Puss was facing front once more, while a wave of applause swept the sidewalks. "'Did you see me give Cap the royal salute?' Angela demanded. "'Was that what you were trying to do?' taunted Roosevelt Lee, I thought Puss got suddenly sick. Here something small and hard hit Roosevelt, and an involuntary ouch shut off any more comment. The Kilgloom Park float lumbered down Surf Avenue in the melodious wake of the band. Confetti was thrown at Puss and the mice. Streamers of red and yellow caught and trailed till the whole tableau looked like a group caught in a spaghetti snowstorm, if there is such a thing. Now the float had come to the end of the line of march, and as it turned off Surf Avenue, Two boys, who had had with difficulty trailed the park float through the Mardi Gras crowds along the avenue, swung onto the tail of the converted truck. A shocked voice from the inside of Puss commanded, 
Hey, you kids, drop off there before a cop sees you. Is that so? drawled Chubby Kramer. Let me see you or your cop friends make us. Oh, it's you two. Angelo spoke with relief. I thought you were just a couple of fresh public kids. Sure, come on up and unhook this door. I'm almost suffocated inside here. I oom, but this has been hot work. It was a good thing I took Claude's advice and put on my trunks, or I'd have been roasted. GT unfastened the opening in the side of the puss in boots, and the head and bare shoulders of Angelo were thrust out. He helped out his smaller brother, who still limped on his wounded ankle. You'd think it was July instead of a September night. What street are we on? I think it's third, but I know the flit will swing into Neptune Avenue to get back to the park, said G.T. Buddy and Ferocity came out for fresh air, and now that their part in the Mardi Gras parade was over, all on the flit relaxed. The triplets shed their mice heads, and with the other boys lay back on the float. Behind them the music of the various bands still in line, and the shouts of the Mardi Gras thousands grew fainter as the float moved along this little frequented backyard section of Coney Island. Gosh, it hurts to realize that the season is over tonight, exclaimed Chubby. No, corrected G.T., the park will be open tomorrow, but this time tomorrow night I'll be back in Maryland at Georgetown Prep. You fellows are lucky. How's that, O oh Angel? My seventh grade at Our Lady of Solace has been started two weeks, and because of this ankle I've all that stuff to make up. Angela warmed to his subject. And then, if anything, I hate, it's the sight of the park after the season has closed. Now you take an icy, snowy day in January and come home from a hard day at school. Maybe a sister has kept you in, too, for practically nothing. And then you see all the amusement buildings boarded up with snow piled up like... like hunks of cotton in every angle, and the wind blowing fifty degrees below zero an hour. And you get to thinking of all the good times in the good old summertime, and the swims, and the hot dogs, and the fellows in the park. And, and you dare not take Buddy out of his cage next to the furnace, or he will get his death of pneumonia. Angelo waxed more eloquent. The only fellow who seems to like it, then, is this old death on rats here. Yes, you ferocity, you'd hunt mice and rats even up at the North Pole. You just bet he would, put in Chubby, stretching out to grab a paw of puss as the float hit a bump in the road. And you would, too, if there was nothing else to eat. No, I wouldn't, vigorously denied Angelo. But you fellows know an amusement park is made for summertime, and that is what I mean. Well, said G.T. Daly, do what I do, when school seems as though it never will end. Think of the good times ahead. Remember, the old clock keeps right on and never stops. Every day is twenty-four hours near the next season. That's all right, and I agree with you, G.T., chimed in Angelo earnestly. But next January, it will be hard to believe the new season ever will come. But it always does, insisted Chubby. Isn't that right, you triplets? Three shirts from the boxing triplets reassured him. We are going into winter quarters in Milwaukee at Grandma's, explained Washington Lee, and we have to go to school, too. Say, you'd think this was a wake or a funeral or something joyous just like that. G.T. sat up. Altogether, the tearing tigers will give one last growl for the dying season. One, two, three. I oom, was roared out on the warm night air. Ferocity, who had curled up at Angelo's feet, sprang into a fighting pose, and then in fright leaped off onto Neptune Avenue. That's the first time I ever saw that old bulldog cat admit that he was frightened. He must be getting old. 
but he has a young son who is going to make history in Kilglin Park next season, prophesied Angelo. I think we'd better make him mascot of the Tearing Tigers. All those in favor of making Ferocity Jr. our mascot, say yes. It was said as the float came to a halt at the back gate into Kilglin Park, and the boys leaped off to open the gate and let the driver maneuver the big truck into the park. Then they raced for the old swimming hole in our last swim. And so ended another season at Kilglin Park. End of Chapter 17 Recording by Maria Treese End of Kilglin Park by Neil Boyton, S.J.